the Pomodoro effect, asynchronous working, and spoon theory. These are all things you might never have heard of, but they are all things that will undoubtedly help you with your time management. Helene is here to educate us about all of these things and to tell us about the app she's developed using this knowledge, an app I use all the time, the Timo app. I spoke in a school a couple of weeks ago and the, te- the feedback from the teachers is that when they mention to parents that they suspect neurodiversity in a child, a lot of the time the parents are very defensive yeah. and they're instantly on the back foot. Um, no, not my child. Mm. My child doesn't. There's nothing wrong with my child. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, because there's sort of a bit of a, a journey that the parent then goes on in their mind as if, as if to say, what, what did I do wrong? Yeah. Because there's that misinformation there that they think that these things can be caused by alcohol or something during, they smoked during pregnancy or they drank during pregnancy or these things. Mm, um, so yeah. they, have, they have this sort of like, no, nothing wrong with my child. Yeah, yeah. They don't want a label. And also they look at their child and they think, well, then there's something wrong with them because I do all that stuff as well. And then it's yeah. like, oh, actually. <laughs> exactly. I've got ADHD yeah. as well. Yeah, but I think that's really often, I, I just talked to one of my, yeah, a, a, a fr- previous colleague, I can call it, but he, and then he told me a lot about like that his, he helped us with Timo in the early days. And he told me a lot about his uh, youngest son and that they were actually getting um, uh, him diagnosed and they suspect that he had ADHD. And mm. I, I sort of joked a little bit and say, but to be fair, you have ADHD yourself, don't you think? And he was quite offended, I could feel. And I really didn't mean it in a bad way. I just <laughs> kind of like, I'm pretty sure that if he were to get a diagnosis, mm. he would have ADHD. And then if it also shows in his son, then probably, um, but I think he was not ready. He was ready to, to his son to sort of get an ADHD diagnosis, but not to sort of see himself as, um, so there's definitely, I think a lot of stigma still there. And I yeah. think, uh, um, it's of course also because you, you grow up and you hear something and that's sort of what you, you think and, and mm. learn until you start hearing something else. And that's also why it's good that we are so many people starting to talk more about it and, and realizing that it can look um, in many different ways. Yeah, I think definitely. I think representation is so important yeah. as well. And I think representation or lack of representation has a big part to play in maybe people who are slightly older and their association with these conditions. Mm. The main example, obviously, is with ASD, autism, and a lot of people who are perhaps slightly older, all they've got to reference is Dustin Hoffman in the mm. Rain Man film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? So for years, that's what everyone just thought autism was. And of course, it can look like that sometimes, mm. but people weren't aware of the spectrum and the umbrella that it can present us. Mm. So many people, obviously high masking, uh, high functioning, mm. and the variety of how these conditions can present. So then often you see like a, a, perhaps a younger person, they see something on the internet, on TikTok, and... They say, mom, dad, I think I associate with a lot of these traits. And the parents mm. sometimes say, no, don't be silly. Yeah. That's not what autism is. Mm. That's not what ADHD is. Mm. Because they have, this, they have this like predetermined stereotype of what yeah. they think it is. And it's actually often contrast to, to, to what, how it can present, which is multifaceted, mm. hugely broad, yeah. um, with lots of strengths and lots of challenges that, that can be met. Mm. You've spent your professional career trying to find a solution to why people with ADHD often struggle with productivity. Why? 
<laughs> That's a good question. I think um, the reason we started was because I had to, uh, very practical, I have to write my master thesis. And I um, I met my co-founder, Melissa, at the IT University in Copenhagen. And mm. we decided to focus back then uh, on children with ADHD because in Denmark at that time, there was a change in the school system. And children who... Um, normally could go to some more smaller schools, schools with uh, special needs were supposed to be included in the normal schools. And then there was a lot of talk in the media around especially children with ADHD would sort of fall in between because they were too good for the special needs school, but probably would still not thrive in a normal school with a lot of kids, a lot of noise. And we thought it would be really interesting to to sort of take a very anthropological approach to ADHD and what it was and how it showed and what was the challenges and, and what could help and then see if we could somehow use technology to to give that extra support, not to replace the humans, but, but to give an extra support in terms of what they would miss when starting in these normal schools. And that was what became the, the foundation for what is Timo today. Mm. And then it has evolved a lot. And I think um, the reason we then also started after sort of we, we finished the master thesis and we, we got a grade and we went out to get new jobs. But then we interviewed some parents for the thesis and, and they got back to us and sort of asked about when they could go and download the app that we uh, we wrote about, we wanted to do. And we, we felt a little bit that it was um, it was interesting and we couldn't really let it go. And, and even if they, they also wanted to download the app that we sort of imagined mm. that we should do, uh, we, we, we wanted to give it a go. So we... Uh, we at some point got into this startup incubator and then we went part time on our jobs and then sort of things went from there and we got more and more um, sort of inspired and we learned more about, more about the area, which was also what has sort of kept us going. And I think what what is um, making us go today is because we really also see how underserved the, the market is for, for people with ADHD and how mm. how long at least that... Um, that uh, that people that are neurodivergent have been sort of underserved and overlooked. And we really think we can make a big difference in terms of uh, creating some beautiful tools that can sort of help in every day, but also in terms of what we do here, talk about it and represent uh, different um, types of neurodivergence mm. and, and what it can look like. And that is really what we want, what we want to do with, uh, with Timo. And today also, it's not so much focused on children anymore. That's also back to sort of like what was a little bit of a, um, uh, uh, I don't know if you call it an, a stereotype, but that you only see children with ADHD. It's mm. not something that you have when you grow up. And that's something that we also like learned a lot during our journey that actually there's a lot of uh, adults with ADHD mm. and you still have those needs. And a lot of people actually get diagnosed later in life because we start to learn more and we get more knowledge about how it can actually show. You've got a fascinating story of how your partner, your co-founder, got diagnosed with ADHD after founding the app. Yeah. What happened there? Yeah, that was exactly the same story sort of as, as she never thought that she had ADHD. Mm. But when she started to learn more about it, she suddenly recognized some of the, the traits in herself. And it actually started off with her um, suspecting that she was dyslexic. She also always had a difficult time writing, but she could write and read, but it was just a little bit more difficult. And when she learned more about it, she, she got a test and she was very dyslexic. Um, and then she realized that often if you're dyslexic, you actually, I think it's 50% is also ADHD. Mm. 
So she started to suspect that she might also uh, have ADHD and and realized actually uh, for two years back, I think she got uh, her diagnosis uh, and and is, she's not on medication or anything, but she just really, I think, uh, I think you, when you, when you get a diagnosis and you know better than me late in life, you, you suddenly, I think things fall into place and you suddenly realize how and why you have sort of, um, been behaving in certain ways mm. and, and have been doing what you have been doing. And maybe something, uh, you have been struggling with is suddenly more clear why that has been difficult for you. And then also you're, you're sort of like for, in her sake, she's really, really creative and very visionary and, and is, is sort of like full of ideas. And that's also very, um, uh, normal. I would say mm. if you, if you have ADHD to have this very creative side of you and many entrepreneurs are also uh, ADHDers, I think. Yes, I think it's 400% more likely to be entrepreneurial or start your own business if you have ADHD. And, and as you said, you you get a diagnosis and you, you do look back and you look at your life and so much does make sense. You understand why you struggled in certain situations where other people didn't, but also why you found certain things easy where other people mm. struggled. And one of the a really interesting things I've always struggled with with being able to sit down and complete long tasks. Um, and one of the main things I learned from the Timo app is the Pomodoro effect. And I think that's been revolutionary in, in the way I've certainly worked over the last six months. Are you able to explain what the Pomodoro, reverse Pomodoro effect is? Yeah. I don't know if you have, there's both the, re the reverse Pomodoro and then there's the Pomodoro. And I think more people are familiar with the Pomodoro technique, which is sort of a productivity technique where you work for 25 minutes mm. on a task and then you take a five minute breaks a break and then you work for 25 minutes again and sort of like go into that loop into, until you have completed your task. The reverse Pomodoro is actually also can be really helpful if you have ADHD or if you struggle a little bit on task initiation and find it difficult sometimes to sort of get the motivation and, and, and get started. So you sort of do the, the reverse uh, thing where you work for five minutes and then you actually take a 25 minutes break. Mm. Um, which can seem a little maybe counterproductive, but I think it sounds better. And, and I think it, of, of course it needs to be sort of tweaked into what, what really works for you. And maybe one month, the normal Pomodoro would be really good. But if you have certain times where you're more low energy and, and it is harder or some task is maybe harder to start, the reverse Pomodoro can actually be really helpful because then at least just doing these five minutes of really focused work can can sort of then you then you actually got started on the task and it could be easier to then sort of uh, get into it after the twenty five minutes break um, mm. and then you end up doing something on the task whereas the up if you hadn't done this way you might end up doing nothing at all so mm. it's it's sort of also the thinking that sometimes if you really don't have the motivation or find it super hard to get started it can be better to still do a little than mm. to to make two ambitious um, tasks and plans for, for the day. Mm. So that's sort of the essence of trying to use the reversed one once in a while. But then you can sort of like tweak it in to figure out what, what works for me is 10 minutes work and then 15 minutes break or, or sort of how, how does it work best mm. for me in the current sort of mood you're in and, and in terms of your energy levels on that day. Yeah, certainly fascinating. I mean, I think it's very individualistic. Definitely taking breaks works. I think the worst mm. thing for people with ADHD, certainly from my experience and, and speaking to many other people is sitting down for a long period of time yeah. and trying to do something over many hours. Sometimes you can get into a hyper-focus and you can do that. But 
unless you're really, really passionate and obsessed over a project, um, it can be tough. And actually taking those regular breaks, whether it's working for five minutes, have a 25 minute break or the other way around, it's just, it gets that movement in there as well. Mm. That movement, which actually I find really helps with that clarity of thought and refocuses the mind. Because otherwise you can just force yourself to sit at that yeah. desk staring at that computer screen and really it's almost like a false economy because you're there mm. you're not there and you're not actually going forward exactly yeah yeah and, and i know that feeling also from myself i think sometimes you can sort of end up being this sort of soda work because you don't really produce anything you mm. you, you want to do something but you, you end up doing really nothing yeah. compared <laughs> to if you maybe did these longer breaks or sort of forced yourself to take the breaks and then really focus when you are actually focusing mm. and then i guess the point of the reverse pomodoro is also that it's better to focus for these five ten minutes than to not focus at all and just end up doing a little bit all over mm. the place another Little tip, I think, for productivity, which I find fascinating, is time blocking. And how would you explain time blocking to someone who doesn't know what that is? Yeah, I would say it's very much also what what Timo is sort of designed for. It's about making time visual. Mm. Uh, if you have ADHD, you often sort of struggle with with understanding how long a task can take and what time actually means. How long is an hour? It's it's sort of like it's not tangible. So by making it visual, you can you can get a more tangible idea and, and sort of visual representation of how long you will be doing something. Mm. Uh, so that's one part of it to sort of make your task visual. But it's also about then uh, you could sort of say to, to sort of also stack together similar tasks. So if you have uh, some um, meetings, you sort of put them next to each other sort of in, in a block. Mm. Uh, and then you can do sort of answering emails, getting back on LinkedIn or what you have. Where it's more like desk work. You can put that in a block mm. so you don't shift from from too many different types of tasks during the day because then you end up being, you're using too much energy on sort of the transition from, mm. from one thing to another. So it will become more efficient if you can sort of um, block tasks together that are similar. And then I would also say it's... Um, of course, there's also things you need to uh, to do at a certain point, at a certain time. So, so I would say sort of the technique could be that you you brain dump everything you you have in your head, everything you have to do. Sort of just get it out of the head and get it on paper or mm. into the Timo app or planner you use, and then you can sort of start prioritizing from there and and putting in the things that had to have to be done at a certain time, um, and then you can make blocks around that with the rest of the tasks and and stack the tasks together mm. that that sort of fits together. And, uh, and, and an important thing to also remember is to, um, to add time for, for the transition. Um, mm. It can be travel time, but it can also just be like, it's unrealistic to go from just one meeting to another for three hours in a row without going to the bathroom or something in between or drinking mm. water. So, so just to feel more successful in terms of also keeping your schedule and keeping your time, it's so important to just also be aware to, to put in those breaks and mm. those transitions periods. Um, uh, in your day, and I think if you do that in in a yeah visual planner, or it can also be sort of a paper planner. But as long as you make it visual, it will help a lot to mm. uh, to sort of make it more tangible and and to succeed in terms of actually getting through the tasks mm. in a in a meaningful way. Yeah, yeah, it's it's great advice. I think actually just getting stuff out of your head yeah. and written down because there's out of sight, out of mind is a real thing. And yeah. obviously that could be a, a tangible physical thing in front of you, but actually I, I mean it in terms of thinking as well. Um, I'm certainly terrible at, at, at keeping thoughts 
Mm. Like they can be there, they can be good, they can be clear, but unless I write it down in that moment, then it will just disappear into mm. my graveyard of <laughs> of thoughts and, and yeah. good ideas. But if I just write them down on in, in some way, capacity, yeah. um, then I can park it and go back to them. Mm. Um, and it's such good advice as well about just blocking together all the similar types, like you said, put an hour for emails mm. and then give yourself time to transition into the next type of thing. So that could be a meeting, that could be a, a budget, whatever it is. Because mm. it's kind of the same as when, you know, you drive to a social account in, social event and I need to sit in my car, in the car park for 10 minutes before I walk into that busy room. Because yeah. the driving is one yeah. thing. And then going into that busy room where I'm going to have to meet 50 people, that's another thing. I give myself 10 minutes. So it's that same theory of actually just giving yourself time to decompress mm. and transition into the next task. And whether that's a social account or in the context of this conversation, that would be transitioning into the next type of work activity. Mm. So from emails to face-to-face -face meetings to writing a business plan, whatever it is. Mm. They're all different like different types of, of, of blocks, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And I think there's like two things to it. One thing is to, of course, become uh, be, become more productive. Mm. That's that's of course a nice thing. But I think there's also so much in terms of, especially with the neurodivergent um, folks, that there's this intersection of, of I would actually say planning and mental health. That is really interesting because it's surprising how much sort of planning and and being ahead and don't have that if you don't have that sort of extra everything is in your head you have to remember all the time how much it can actually affect your mental health if mm. you if you don't plan or you don't prioritize your time in the right way it can have a really detrimental effect i would say on the mental health long term mm. so i think there's a really interesting and important aspect uh, um, in the space between uh, mm. planning and mental health actually i think the biggest hack that i've learned since my diagnosis is to really plan my days the night before Mm, yeah. my brain is at its best in the evenings and everyone's different everyone has their different times of day where they're at their best or even different times of the month or even the day if you're mm. really zooming out a bit and going into menstrual cycles and testosterone cycles but just to simplify it a bit i'm always at my best in the evenings so i take advantage of that and i use that to plan my day and, and so in, in the context of this conversation that's when i would be putting my blocks together mm. and deciding how I'm going to use my different blocks for the next day. Mm. Yeah, but exactly. And I think also just, just realizing that you have a good time of day or good mm. time of week. I don't know if, if is that something <laughs> you've always known or is it something you have sort of also learned along the way that it's actually a good thing to sort of put that energy there? Because I think it's also a big, for, for all of us, it's, it's also... You, you learn, of course, a lot uh, when you grow and when you mm. do new things. And I think it's so important to be aware of these small things, actually. When is my energy level best? When can I do certain tasks? And when mm. is it very low? So when is when is it a, a bad idea to start planning my next week because I, I simply don't have the energy to do it right now? Mm. So I think there's so much also in terms of understanding how your your energy level is throughout the day or the week. And, and, and that's also something you, you can, I think, become more aware of if you start to sort of plan and schedule the day, because mm. you can always then go and, and look back. Did I actually get through all my tasks? Was I too ambitious? Was it unrealistic? Mm. Do I feel like a failure because I always plan too much actually? Mm. Is it just unrealistic? I think a lot of us have a tendency to think we can just do like, don't put in the breaks, don't put, we can just mm. do this and this and this. And then, um, 
that's done by the end of the day and that's often never actually uh, what happens and then you sort of get overloaded the next day so I think it's really important if we can all start to sort of also learn more about what is a good schedule and what is a good plan for me mm. and, and what works good for me because then we can become more productive and, mm. and feel more successful in terms of actually finishing the tasks that we set ourselves up to do. Absolutely. And and to answer your earlier question, it's, I've always been aware that I work best in the evenings, but I think previously, before my diagnosis, I forced myself to work in a time that I thought was mm. a normal time yeah. to work. Um, and the, the outcomes were always less than mm. when I actually just lent yeah. into my sort of prime time, yeah. uh, which was the evenings. Yeah. Um, super fascinating. So another topic that I found absolutely fascinating was the idea of asynchronous working. Can you explain what that is? Yes, I, I think it's very much to your point before in terms of we are we are all different. It's very different when we sort of like perform our best and when we have um, the most energy throughout the day. So it's it's not so much, um, it hasn't so much to do with the Timo app necessarily, but more about sort of how can you make a good environment and, mm. and help sort of, for example, your team um members thrive and get most out of their day by allowing them to work when uh, when they feel it's the best time for them uh, so that it's okay to take a break in the middle of the day and take a nap. If you really feel like a 20-minute nap will sort of make you perform much better throughout the day, you should do that instead of looking at the more sort of old-fashioned way of working nine to five. That's the only right way to do it and we need to be here at the same time, all of us. Uh, so I think it's a more also... I, I hope, modern way of working. And, and mm. also after the pandemic, probably many realize that it's okay to work from home. We can actually be really effective, even though we are not in the same room all the time. So I would say to just also, again, be very mindful about when are you, when do you have sort of the most energy to actually put in um, put in the hours and of course sometimes during the day you have to be there at the same time there are meetings there are mm. things that need to be aligned and that's just how it is but also be open to sort of have a day where you can have sort of flexible hours and, and allow your team members in our case to also do that and it's okay to sort of leave early to pick up kids for example um, and then you can put in the hours at night um, so I think it's um back to uh, to being aware of of how you use your energy the best and how you mm. actually uh, succeed with your tasks the best way instead of looking at that they have to be sort of within a specific time mm. during the day definitely and i think it's i think there has to be trust there between the mm. employer and the employee because i imagine the employees most people know when their best time is and mm. um, but they might be they might not feel like they're in a safe environment to say what that is, or mm. they might feel like they have to turn up at nine and work through till five with only yeah. a lunch break. Yeah. But if there's trust from the employer to say, actually, essentially, this is what I'm, I hope you'll be able to do by the end of the month, do it however you want to do mm. it. Essentially, trust yeah. me on my outcomes and not mm. my processes. Yeah. If you want to turn up an hour later, because a lot of people come to work at the normal time and by the time they get to work they're so frazzled because they've had to deal with the rush hour tube the commute yeah. traffic jams too much noise and actually they're, they're so overwhelmed by the time they get to work so that's just a little example allow people to come in later um and as you said you know naps taking breaks working from home lots of little things mm. does it need to be a meeting can it be an email yeah exactly all things actually avoid someone 
being anxious, essentially, mm. and getting in the way of their ability to do the job that you're paying yeah. them to do. Exactly. And I think also being like, for my co-founder is, is neurodivergent, so it comes also, of course, um, and we are designing a product for neurodivergent mm. people. So I think it's also sort of a, a core to both our product, but also the way we want to build our team and the culture in the business. Um, and we have a lot of neurodivergent employees as well. So it comes sort of natural. But I think it's it's also important to talk about because it's not natural for all uh, teams and, and um, companies to, uh, to focus on that. And I mm. think it's... Um, both in terms of being productive, I think it works better like that. So I actually think you get more out of your employees if you sort of allow uh, to work, allow them to work like this mm. instead of forcing specific hours. Um, and then also just in terms of um, really focus on sort of the mental part of it and and, and thriving throughout the day is, is such an mm. important thing not to also um, forget. Yeah. <laughs> and also normalizing behavior as well. Yeah, you know, yeah. if, if someone has a fidget toy or noise cancelling yeah. headphones or wants to have a standing desk just yeah. to kind of, you know, not make it a big deal. Yeah. Because that's actually really beneficial. Yeah, um, exactly. It's such a, one of the main problems I find with my neurodiversity, specifically with ADHD, is, is finishing tasks that I'm not particularly excited about. I can quite often get really excited about starting a task, mm. but then... I get over the honeymoon period, the dopamine leaves me, and I abandon it. Yeah. Do you have any tips for someone who, who relates to that and, and finds it easy to start a project but then struggles yeah. to finish it? I think um, once, yeah, a few tips. One tip could be um, to sort of break down the task into to smaller tasks because I think then you can maybe get this. It of, it's, of course, different depending on what the, tasks is, the task is, but I think... To, to take a, a bigger task and break it down into to smaller pieces can can make it more sort of like you feel these small successes during the way mm. and you actually do complete something even though you're not there. So it's more about the process of getting to the end goal than to actually sort of just um, looking at this long way and then you finish something. Um, so break it down to smaller tasks also to make it seem less overwhelming and actually get started maybe the next time when it's not so exciting anymore it can be less overwhelming to start on it again because it's broken down mm. um and then i think also that's maybe a little bit another thing but i think also to um accept that uh, sometimes it can be good to partner up with uh, other people that maybe have different sort of competencies or competencies to uh, to sort of then give that extra sort of um accountability push or what you can mm. say. I think one of the best thing for me in terms of um, founding Timo is, is having a co-founder because I could never have done this alone because we have sort of like we have we are we are a good match and also when one is sort of like maybe down the other is up and, and ready to sort of keep going and I think that's really important especially mm. when uh, founding a company because there's a lot of up and downs but yeah. but also the accountability part of it because then you have somebody else expecting you to sort of finish that thing mm. and you can you will do it I think uh, you'll be more likely to do it if you um, not only have yourself to um, to sort of hold accountable for it. Yes, absolutely. It's such it's such good advice. Finding ways to to make accountability, and I guess that's kind of leaning leaning into the the, the concept of, of body doubling yeah. a bit, having that literally another body with you to do yeah. tasks that complement your skills, but also adds that accountability and also works on that people pleasing element that mm. so many people with specifically ADHD have is if if they feel like. It's kind of that theory of, 
oh, I can't clean my own kitchen, but if I go around to a friend's house, I'll happily just blitz theirs. Yeah. It's that kind of theory. <laughs> yeah. But if you have that people-pleasing slash accountability element in a business partner, mm. then that can actually give you the motivation mm. to carry on when in another condition where you might be a solo founder and you yeah. didn't have that accountability, you didn't have that person that you wanted to essentially impress, mm. um, then you might have not done that task yeah. that day. Exactly. I think that's that's been a, a big deal for us that we have sort of have that accountability between each other mm. and and also that we are just a good match in terms of Melissa being really creative, having tons of ideas, sort of like starting a lot and maybe me being a little bit more sort of focused and good at prioritizing with all these ideas, sort of where to focus now. This is a mm. good idea, but let's put it here and, and get back to it in two months when we have sort of nailed this one. So it's a it has just been a really good sort of mm. match there, which has been... Um, been really good but I also think in terms of body doubling is actually a really good example also of what can can really work and we have mm. we are actually going to launch a new sort of learning community uh, feature within Timo so it will become more than than planning because we do see that as I talked about before it is sort of like planning and mental health it goes hand in hand so mm. we do see that that knowledge and community can be such a big part of also actually learning how to plan and learning how to sort of thrive, which goes again together. So we are launching sort of also body doubling sessions soon as part of, of Timo um, because we have realized that for our user base, it's just a big, uh, um, a big productivity sort of uh, hack that you mm. actually go there in a room with other people and you say, this is what I'm going to, going to work on for the next 25 minutes. And, and then I'll actually do it. We have seen people been like no, somebody's making a master thesis and other are sort of cleaning their kitchen at the same time. Mm. But it's just like they're here. They promised that they would do that yeah. task and, and now they're doing it. I mean, it sounds amazing. And I've heard similar stories of someone who perhaps they have to sit down and they have to write a bit of paper. They have to write something. They have to do a bit, piece of work that's going to take several hours and they just can't find the motivation. But if they have a friend who is either with them in person or might just actually be there on a virtual call. They don't need to necessarily say mm -hmm. anything. Yeah. They could just, it's just the awareness and their yeah. presence that you know they're kind of with you mm. um, really, really, really helps. Yeah. Um, and I suppose it's, it's, I'm fascinated by your, your co-founder because she started Timo and then going through that journey of understanding ADHD and neurodiversity, she had that self-awareness. So I suppose my question did you have you had any relatability to any of the any of the ADHD traits, any of the neurodiversity that that she discovered within herself? Have you found any within yourself? Yeah, it's a good question because I think also it's it's a fine line. Like when is it just because we're all human and experiencing mm. things in in different ways, and we all have sort of our challenges and our our strengths, and and what is then an actual sort of ADHD diagnosis because I definitely do sometimes I can feel the same in terms of procrastinating tasks that are not um, um, the most uh, interesting ones mm. and also in terms of um, finding it difficult sometimes to uh, to finish what I start without like if I have a deadline or an accountability um, uh, person or something uh, but then on the other hand I can really see how she's very much more sort of like um, having difficulty sitting still if we if we sit for too long she has to sort of like doodle or stand up mm. and she's she's fidgeting with something and 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 also just the way and I know it can show in so many ways so I think it's also different it's not just like because that is how how she is um is um how it's showing with her it's not just 
everybody that is like that because they have ADHD. But I um, I do think that it's it's interesting also when you're under a lot of uh, if you have a lot of under a lot of pressure uh, if you have if you have a really busy schedule. I mm. think that maybe a good example could be that then you also maybe feel a little bit more like there's so much going on in your head all the time. And and we at least have talked about me and her that maybe that's actually how she feels all the time. <laughs> so <laughs> so that's sort of a good way to. Um, yeah. To at least try and, and also um, understand more about how it feels uh, for mm. the person that has an ADHD diagnosis uh, and from all the person because one person is one person, right? So it, it will probably show also different uh, from person to person, even though there's, of course, some common traits that are, are there. Yes, definitely. You know, you've, you've met one when you meet one person with ADHD, then you've really just met one person. Yeah, exactly. It can present so differently. Um with how it presents in your business partner, do you see it? Do, do you see any examples of where she might like gamify her work? I suppose, I suppose that sort of plays on the fact of making mini deadlines and making it a bit more exciting. Is there any examples that that you've noticed that she does that kind of behaviour? Nah, I actually haven't realised that she's uh, or seen that she's gamifying her own work. But it's more about sort of, I think, sort of. She's really driven by sort of the the creative part and the design, and if something mm. looks really nice, and if if it's a task about something that is like creative and designing and making sort of this a little element of surprise or something, she's I can see that she really sort of um, gets some dopamine out of it, and also you know thinking uh, ticking off uh, tasks that are done, sort of so mm. crossing off your to do list and stuff like that is really I don't know if it's, if it's gamifying, but it's about getting that sort of dopamine kick in terms of actually um, mm. well, just breaking down the the, yeah. the day into yeah I mean there's nothing more satisfying than than ticking off a you know, exactly, a, a part of your to-do list. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah, I, flooded with dopamine. Exactly, and I think she has that just a little bit more, maybe, mm. and and also, especially in terms of also in the product, she's she's our um, uh, CPO, so she's sort of mm. in charge of the the product and the visual part and the user um, user interface and everything, um, which makes a lot of sense because she's ADHD herself and have the lived experience. But but she's also really aware of sort of the. Um, the sort of the subtle way to make it still interesting. So mm. you get sort of these small elements of surprise once in a while and you can change the theme and how can we sort of make it interesting for for people that are ADHD to come back and not feel that it's boring and they mm. lose interest because even though it might be helpful, then you can also lose interest and forget that it was actually so helpful. And mm. so I think it's also a fine balance of making a product that can sort of pull you back in when you might lose uh, interest and that can be done if you're... If you're good, I think, in terms of sort of um, design elements and uh, and gamification as well. Speaking of design, I mean, I think what what the app does really well and is so important for the community is is it's creating an an, a, an experience that is very pleasing uh, for people with sensory processing um, struggles. Mm. And I think, do you have any? Is there anyone within your company that? that has noticeable sort of sensory processing issues. And I suppose what accommodations do you, if any, do you put in place to, for that, for that situation? Um, thank you. First of all, I'm happy that you, uh, you think the product is solving that in a good way because it's super challenging to, to sort of actually find a good balance, mm. uh, for that. Um, I think it's a lot about also, I think that can, be in terms of both high, high noises or, or big like sounds and and so 
the classic headphones and you can go mm. and work um, in a more quiet space if you need it. I think we have a lot of people on our team actually that that sort of have uh, sort of diverse sensory processing. So, so they need more sort of, um, they take a lot in and mm. therefore also need to be able to go uh, in a more quiet place or put on headphones or work from home once in a while. Um, we have this neon sign. We got our sort of company logo in a neon sign and we're really happy about it, but but it was uh, too annoying for too many people because of the light <laughs> sort of uh, mm. were too, um, yeah, they, they got a headache from it. So we, uh, we had to sort of uh, put it in another room. <laughs> but uh, so I think it's also something to just be open about and, mm. and try and, and be aware that it's uh, that people also perceive things differently and and some may may need more sensory to sort of get get a good um uh feeling and and some need less uh, because it can be too overwhelming i didn't even realize that i was sense i was sensitive to sensory processing like loud chewers um i've always wondered why that irritated me yeah um i can think of one particular person who's really loud <laughs> when they were there chewing, but I just thought that was everyone had that, yeah. And of course, probably most people find that slightly gross, I guess. But for me, it was it was like a mm. it was quite an intense yeah. reaction, and visually as well. Um, not so much bright lights. Like this is you know, it's a studio; those lights are on me. That's okay. Um, it's when it's when I'm in a environment where I'm comfortable and relaxed. Um, and that might be like lying in bed at night or watching the TV and. I guess it's the shock of somebody of, of the lighting changing without warning mm. that, can, that can really uh, incite a reaction in me. Mm. And like if someone turns on the main light, um, where, whereas I might just be happy with a, a small lamp in that moment, and then suddenly the, the main light comes on, um, there's a real internal anxiety uh, mm. that I get in those environments, yeah. which I've had all my life. And again, it was just one of those things that I thought, thought was kind of normal. Mm. Um, and that's a particular thing that I thought was was really handy with the with the design of the app. Like I said, I think it's very friendly. I think it's very very soft, um, very soft visually. And what it's what it's really good at, and what I would like to ask you is for some advice, because this is what I really struggle with, is how to create a, a day, like a, a productive day. If I want to do something, how to create a, product, a productive day that works for my brain. Mm. Or if someone's listening or watching their brain, and I guess yeah. it's going to be very individualistic and different to everyone. So if someone's listening and they think, how do I create a productive day that's tailored to my brain? Where would someone start if they wanted to do that? Mm. That's a really good question. Um, but I think especially because we are all um, all different, so you need to really also... Um, uh, I think if you don't know yet, also start to sort of go into a learning process to find your sort of most perfect and productive day. But that's mm. exactly also what I think uh, an app like Timo can help you with, because I would suggest to go a little bit into sort of the time blocking method and sort of start out by brain dumping everything you need to do and get sort of like everything out of your head. So you have sort of that list of to do's mm. and then place it onto your day. And, and, and the app supports that in a good way because you can have things that are sort of like at a certain time that is sort of scheduled, but you can also have sort of to-do anytime tasks. So you can just start them when you, when you have the time or when it's time for that block. And then um, you can also break down tasks with AI in the app. So you can sort of take these more overwhelming, bigger tasks and break them into smaller, uh, more um, easy to start steps. Mm. 
which can also be a big help if you feel like it's a bit overwhelming and you don't know where to start, then it can be easier to sort of like get, just do the first step and then you sort of get the ball rolling. Mm. Um, and then I would say that it's very much about also looking at your day when it's done. Did I did I manage to do what I have, have planned, what I set up to do? Or did I actually, was I too ambitious? What, was it too unrealistic what I planned? And why was that? And we also have sort of a feature in the product that is called uh, Today's Review, uh, where you can sort of, review your day, move things to the next day so you don't forget about it. Um, so it's still there. And then you can start to, to also become more aware about what, what uh, how to plan a good day for mm. you. And then I would say also it talks very well into the next sort of the learn community um, part of the product we'll be launching soon because we also realized that it takes so much more than just the planning part. You also sometimes need more more knowledge. You need more, maybe a community of other neurodivergent people to sort of get inspiration and sort of learn how to go about planning because it's, it's very much about also a habit change. If you're not used to sitting down and, and sort of making this visual uh, schedule for your day, it can be really difficult to, to start doing that all of a sudden. So mm. it's about changing a habit and sort of getting some 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 insights and theories and, and tips to, to do that, to, to actually get it sort of um, uh, into your daily life and then make it sort of a normal routine that you just mm. do. And then you will really start to feel the value of it. Um, so that's why we see it as a really natural sort of next step that now we have the planning tool, the planning app for neurodivergent brains, but we really also want to make this sort of knowledge and community uh, hub for neurodivergent mm. people. So you can go and learn more and understand more about your brain and what are the tips and tricks I can benefit from. And mm. then you can sort of use the, the the planning part of the product to anchor that into your daily life mm. and become successful hopefully with it. And we will also sort of add some coaching on top because again, we're... Some people would like to talk to a coach about it, but other people might prefer to talk to other neurodivergent people mm. or learn about it from sort of lessons or courses or similar things. It's, 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 it's all great advice. And I think one thing I've noticed that has really helped me as well, on top of all of that, is to really reflect on the day that's passed and mm. to, at the end of the day, really journal, meditate, yeah. however you want to do it on the day that's passed. Um, and that can look different to everyone. Um, but for example, literally sit on the end of your bed, close your eyes and think what happened today that made me happy? What happened today mm. that made me anxious? Mm. What happened today that I enjoyed doing, etc.? And you actually build up this arsenal of self-awareness just yeah. by doing this simple, you can do it daily, weekly, monthly, annually, mm. um, as often as you can. And you can actually build up an arsenal of self-awareness that yeah. over time compounds and can give you a an edge in many areas of your life. Mm. Um, you mentioned on, on our before we filmed something that's fascinated me, which I wanted you to share. You mentioned something about a, a spoon theory. Yeah, but I think it's very much on on onto your point about self awareness and sort of. I think the the key to a lot of 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 these things we're talking about is, is to become more aware of your own needs and, mm. and, and yourself. And there's this th theory called the spoon theory, where you can say that if you look at your sort of energy level, you have five spoons. That is what you can do uh, and use of energy uh, of an entire day. And it's a, it's a way to make it more sort of visual, visual and tangible. Um, and then you can sort of try and think about how, how many spoons does a specific task require from you. So if it requires sort of 
two of your spoons to uh, to do a small task. Maybe um, you shouldn't do that task that day or you should try and find somebody else who could help with you with that task or depending on the situation, of course. But it's it's a way to sort of also become more aware of, of what actually drains you a lot um, mm. uh, in terms of, of uh, your energy and where do you sort of get the tasks done more easily and, and sort of just gives you more energy maybe even I think also back to a good point about my co-founder Melissa and I, which is why I'm sitting here today and, and not her, is because she um, she would use way too many spoons to sort of prepare mm. for this and overthink <laughs> and then sort of what would mm. how would it go. So so um, that's why she's uh, using her energy on some on something that's um, better for her. You can say. Yeah. Well, it's amazing she has that self awareness to make that decision. Exactly, but I also think that's what you what you learn. It takes a long time for mm. all of us, I think, to become self aware, and it's something that we need to to really also, I think force ourselves to do it's it's otherwise i think at least myself easily end up just sort of like one day goes by and then the next and, and don't really i don't really stop up and, and think and i think mm. we need to sort of push ourselves a little bit to to do that because we will actually become more productive and, mm. and end up in a better place and also take better care of our mental health if we if we really try to implement some of these things that you also mentioned mm. in our our daily lives yeah, absolutely. Because if you don't, then it's just going to be a one-way train to burnout. Exactly. Um, I think it's really useful for people to recognize the early stages of burnout as well. Then they can take steps to change their course. And mm. for me, I can tell when I'm approaching burnout because the small things, mm. and the small things will be different for everyone, but the small things are always the first things to go. Um, so an example I always use is, Every day I make content, so I have to transfer a USB stick from my computer to another computer. And of course, I always try and do that the correct way, which is remove it safely. We've all seen that warning. Mm. When I start yanking out the USB from the side of my computer, yeah. that's, that's, a, that's, yeah. when, that's a small thing that's, mm. that's gone. When yeah. I start doing things like that, that's actually a signal that that's, this might be the start of burnout. And if I mm. don't take action here, I yeah. don't take a break, I don't take a rest, I don't go for a walk, yeah. then actually the bigger things are going to, I could have an argument with my partner. I could mm. stub my toe and burst into tears because I wasn't paying attention to when the small things mm. started to crack. Yeah. That's a really good point. And I think also, yeah, how to become aware of those small things. Uh, and it could be, I think, hopefully uh, we can do that without trying to burn out completely before. Mm. I think often people or that is what I my experience is that then they they learn about these things because they ended like at a really bad place and ended mm. up with a stress um, diagnosis or something and then sort of in looking back they realized ah this and this and this and then they become more aware about mm. the signals but I think if we can become aware of the signals before ending in burnout we would be at a good place but that's also really difficult right because mm. that that really also requires some um, some focus on it and and really focusing on how to uh, to, to sort of feel these things and feel the signals, signals I think. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's fascinating. Um, I've, I've actually learned a lot uh, just over the last hour chatting to you. <laughs> I think there's a freemium version, right? The, ta the app's gone freemium. So yes. you, you can download it, check it out for free. Yes, and then if you absolutely. like it, there's a paid subscription version of it. Yeah, there are. Yes, yeah, so you can try it out for free and download. There's also a trial period for the paid version, so you can always try it without mm. paying anything, and then you can um, can unsubscribe still. But uh, but otherwise, yeah, there's a paid version of the planning app, and then as I mentioned, soon we'll be launching this sort of next uh, mm. level version with um, 
body doubling features and some community and uh, and and lessons and sort of like the the knowledge um, mm. hub we call it right now. Amazing. Um. So so sort of to build on top of the planning and go more into sort of the planning and mm. mental health and and get to know yourself better stage with the product. Fascinating. I will very much look forward to those. Thank you, Helene, so much for sharing your story and also sharing your wisdom. Um, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you for having me. Enjoyed it. <laughs>